Presenting the transcription feature, Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman. Strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, then steal in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. And now to our story. As you remember, the Grayson Submarine, newest and most powerful of the Navy's underseas craft, fell into the hands of a band of foreign agents led by a Dr. Deutsch. As a result of stumbling on Deutsch's hideout, Lois Lane, star girl reporter of the Daily Planet, and her editor, Perry White, have been taken aboard the submarine as hostages. At the moment, the sleek steel craft, submerged to avoid detection, slips through the sea bound for a foreign port, its captain, designer, and crew unwillingly doing the bidding of Dr. Deutsch and his henchmen. To join Walter Grayson, Captain Denning, and Deutsch in the control room of the submarine. I must compliment you, Herr Grayson. You have developed a fighting machine beyond all belief. With this type of submarine, one country can rule the world. Congratulations. Haven't you already done enough? Not to rub salt in the wounds, or is it just part of your fiendish nature? I forgive you addressing me in that way only because I realize you are not yourself at the moment, Herr Grayson. But believe me, men have gone to their death for less. I don't doubt it for a moment. Captain Denning, you have been strangely silent. Surely you, a naval officer, must be accustomed to things like this. Simply one of the chances of war. This isn't war. This is dirty, sneaking espionage. This is typical of men without a sense of decency. Again, I forgive you. But don't go too far. You may drive me to the end of my patience. I told you that no harm will come to anyone on board. We are interested only in the submarine. I have given you my promise that you will simply be held until the war is over. What do the promises of you and your kind amount to? They've been broken before. I have heard enough. Hold your tongue, both of you. Herr Doctor, come on. Very fine ship. The Tennyson Creek ship's done. Let me see in periscope. Yeah. You are right. I see the lights of a ship off our port bow. You know what might be very interesting, Captain Denning? I'm sure that anything that might be interesting to you would not be interesting to me. You are quite right. But I was thinking as I watched the lights of that ship, the torpedo mechanism of this marvelous submarine has not yet been tested. Has it? No! No, in heaven's name, no! But pale as it goes, Grayson. Denning, do you know what he means? Do you know what he's planning? Yes, I know. As you say in English, you are way ahead of me. Right. Can't be that much of a beast. It's impossible. What are you talking about? Both Mr. Grayson and I know what you have in mind. You're thinking of trying a torpedo out on that ship. Strange how you read my thoughts. So, you have objections? Even animals don't kill for the sheer joy of killing. That ship may be a passenger vessel or a fishing trawler. It may be a warship, too. It's doing you no harm. This is war. In war, you do not wait for the enemy to do you harm. You guard against that by doing him harm first. And... I want a nice idea of testing the torpedo. I would have cut my arms off or blown out my brains if I had known that this submarine would ever be used for such a purpose. You are hysterical, Herr Grayson. No, he isn't. He's acting as any normal human being would act under the circumstances. 
He realizes as I do that war is the most inhuman of man's creation. A very pretty speech, Captain Denning, but very impractical. I'm afraid you will have to stand by and watch me indulge in a little target practice. Fortunately, I have men on board who are experienced torpedo guns. In this case, I will not require your crew. And you will tell Preston in the torpedo room that we will attempt to sink the ship. I will give the order when we are ready. The boy, Doctor. It's very interesting to watch a ship through a periscope, knowing that you are safe because you cannot be seen. Very interesting. You wish to look at it, Captain? No, sir. They are approaching it broadside. A good position, isn't it? What I can tell, it seems like a small ship. One torpedo should probably finish it. Stand back, Grace! Stand back, or I shoot you, fiend! What did you expect? It was my life. His. He had murder in his eyes. He had gone mad. You drove him to madness. I don't suppose that's anything new to you either. Watch yourself, Captain. I am in no humor to be toyed with now. Drag him off to one side. Drag him yourself. You killed him. Did you hear me, I said? I was just thinking, Deutsch, how lucky Grayson is. It's all over for him. He doesn't have to look at your piggish eyes any longer. He doesn't have to breathe the same air you breathe. Go on. I know what you are trying to do, but it is all wasted on me. Well, you will have another look through the periscope. And don't try the same thing Herr Grayson tried, Captain. This time I will use the butt of the gun. And all you will have for your pains is a headache. <sighs> we are almost in position. She is a bigger ship than I imagined. I wonder how they are getting along with the torpedo room. We'll find out. And the gate for it. Yeah. Yeah, good. All is ready, Captain. You know, there is something exciting about this. Exciting about this. Something that makes your heart race and the blood pound in your veins. It's always that way when you play a game with the stakes of death. Unfortunately, all your games are one-sided. The cards are stacked. Well, then, Captain, this is the only sure way of winning. See, the time has come. See here on the control panel, a button marked torpedo fire stern tube. That evidently is the one I press. Don't listen to me for the last time. Have mercy. You've already killed one man in cold blood, isn't it enough? You may have all the mercy, Captain. I shall have the victory. Wait. Seems to be another bottle to press. What does it say? 30 seconds warning bell. Torpedo fire. I see. That I pressed first. Now, the time. But even as the alarm bell echoes through the submarine, a red-cloaked figure flying high above the jagged coastline stops in midair as his keen eyes discern a car parked at a dead-end road. Like a streak of light, he dives to the ground, landing beside the parked car. 
I thought so. Mr. White's car. That means he and Lois must be in that old house up on the cliff. It won't take long to find out. Yeah. Place looks deserted. What on earth made them stop here? Well, we'll just rip some of these boards off this window and see what's what. There. Now up over the sill and inside. Black as pitch. Hardly seems like the kind of a place Lois and Mr. White would go out of their way to find, unless... Wait. Someone moaning? Either that or an animal. I think I'd better investigate. See what's behind this door. Hmm. Locked. I will fix that. What? There's a man stretched out on the bed. Bound and gagged. All right, just a second, mister. We'll have you out of this. There, that's better. Ah. I thought I'd never get free. Who tied you up? Turn on the light. Never mind the light. Who tied you up? It's a long story. I'm the caretaker for this property here. Yes, yes. I live up the road a piece. A couple of weeks ago, a man came and wanted to rent it. Well? I didn't like his looks. The house had been empty for three years, so I let him have it. Yes, go on. Well, some people moved in, and big trucks drove around the back, but they never took the boarding off the windows. I got suspicious and sort of moseyed around the night before last. They caught me and put me in here. I couldn't move. I could hear everything. They've got a submarine. What? Yes. An American submarine. I don't know how they got it, but they sailed away in it across the ocean. When did they leave? Just a couple of hours ago. Do you know whether a young woman and an elderly man are with them on the submarine? Yes. Yes. Newspaper folk. That's right. I heard them talking about it. And you say they left a couple of hours ago and are headed out to sea? Yes. They must have forgot about me in the rush. You're sure the young lady, Miss Lane, and the elderly gentleman were taken along? I'm sure enough of that. I heard them talking. The man's name was Wright, wasn't it? White. Terry White. That's it. That's it. I heard him say that he was the editor of a paper. Why don't you turn the light on, mister? I haven't time now. I've got to go. You'll be all right now, won't you? Yes. Thanks to you. Then goodbye. Goodbye. And thanks again. So they're heading out to sea in the Grayson sub with Lois and Mr. White aboard. I've got to stop them if it's the last thing I do. A two-hour head start won't bother me, but I wish I knew the direction they took. The Atlantic is a big ocean. Well, no sense guessing about it. Here's the window I came in. I'll find that submarine somehow. Up! Up! And away! Making use of his amazing ability to leap great distances and fly through the air... Superman streaks out to sea in search of the kidnapped submarine. But even he is unaware that Dr. Deutsch is about to test the torpedo mechanism of the new submarine by murderously blasting a ship out of the water. Only a few seconds remain. What will happen? Listen to the next episode for a startling climax. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look! It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine.
This is J.J. Walsh, author of The Chowderhead Crusades, and you're listening to Superman Radio Revisited. 199. The Grayson Submarine 4. May 19, 1941. Welcome aboard. I'm your host, Commander Cody, and I'm thrilled to report that my submarine has been freed from wherever it was trapped. I just caught a glimpse of some guy with an orange shirt, green pants, yellow gloves, and blonde hair waving as he swam away but I have to think he had something to do with my sub making it back to the surface. My crew and I plan to head back to land after we get our bearings, but I wanted to publish this episode first. Rest in peace, Walter Grayson. We hardly knew ye. In the first episode of the Grayson submarine story, we were able to hear one of Grayson's greatest triumphs and how happy he seemed when the sub he designed was able to withstand the pressure of the ocean 350 feet below the surface. Now that his sub has been captured by an enemy and will be used to spread death and destruction with its torpedo arsenal, we get to hear Grayson's grief at the opposite end of his emotional spectrum, as he is realizing his sub being captured could result in the loss of innocent lives, and his sub could also be used to wage war. I have like the idea of testing the torpedo. I would have cut my arms off or blown out my brains if I had known that this submarine would ever be used for such a purpose. You are hysterical, Herr Grayson. No, he isn't. He's acting as any normal human being would act under the circumstances. He realizes, as I do, that war is the most inhuman of man's creation. A very pretty speech, Captain Denning, but very impractical. I'm afraid you will have to stand by and watch me indulge in a little target practice. Perhaps Grayson should have thought about the destructive implications of including a torpedo bay arsenal in his submarine if he didn't want his sub to be used in such a way. But I'm guessing if he got a fat military contract from Uncle Sam to bankroll the development of the sub and line his own pockets, it helped him make the decision to include the torpedoes on his sub. Maybe I shouldn't speak ill of the dead. After all, Walter Grayson didn't plan on his sub getting captured, and he was probably a proud patriot who only intended for the sub to be used in scientific research and in the defense of his country if necessary. When he tried to stop Dr. Deutsch and was shot and killed for his trouble, I was surprised. I thought he had a distinct voice and I enjoyed the performance. It does give some gravitas and stakes to the Superman radio serial for an occasional death or deaths to occur via murderous means at the hands of a bad guy. Superman shouldn't be the only one killing, like the last episode of the nitrate shipment story when he sent a torpedo back to the sub that fired it. Granted, The foreign agents in that story intended to kill, but they never actually did in that story. Dr. Deutsch has proven to be an evil threat, along with his crew. They've captured the Grayson sub, along with the sub that was intended to search for it, although Superman rescued that one. Dr. Deutsch also captured Lois Lane and Perry White and ordered Perry to be tortured. We also found out this episode that they left the caretaker of the beach house they were staying in to rot away and die and Dr. Deutsch shot and killed Walter Grayson, and plans to torpedo a boat that is most likely a passenger boat or fishing trawler just to test out the torpedoes aboard the Grayson submarine. Dr. Deutsch. More like Dr. Douche, am I right? Since I'm picking on him, I'll also add that Deutsch must be an ugly Gus. Captain Denning said he had piggish eyes, and the caretaker said he didn't like the looks of the man who moved into the beach house. Speaking of the caretaker... He told Superman that he was caught the night before last. I imagine that dude is pretty smelly, tied down, lying in a pool of his own filth. I bet Superman was trying his best not to use his super sense of smell. 
It's no wonder he flew off in a hurry to try to catch up to the Grayson sub, especially knowing Lois and Perry are hostages. If the caretaker could have relayed the name of Dr. Deutsch, that would have been a great clue as to which direction to head, because as Superman said, the Atlantic is a big ocean. If only Superman and that Aquaman guy who helped me out were super friends in 1941, and he could have help in his search. It sounds like we will get the climax of this story next episode, and I'm looking forward to it. The last thing I want to say about this episode is that when I hear Grayson, I think of Dick Grayson. Although Dick Grayson and Walter Grayson are probably not related, it is kind of fun to think about what if, in the radio serial universe, Earth R as I like to call it, Dick had an uncle that could have possibly gotten custody of Dick. Walter was busy developing the sub, however, and Bruce Wayne got temporary custody, which turned into permanent custody upon the death of Walter. I hope comic book writer Roy Thomas would be proud of that attempt I just made to link Walter and Dick as relatives. Roy Thomas was a writer who liked to insert concepts and characters from the Golden Age into stories he was writing, which I always seem to enjoy. Outside the radio serial, what happened on May 19th, 1941? According to OnThisDay.com, Germany occupiers in Holland forbid bicycle taxis. New Nazi battleship Bismarck leaves Gdynia, Poland. A couple famous birthdays were Jimmy Hoffa Jr., son of union leader Jimmy Hoffa, and Nora Ephron, American novelist, heartburn, screenwriter, Silkwood, When Harry Met Sally, and director, Sleepless in Seattle, born in New York City. We're talking to Sleepless in Seattle. You call the radio station? He's in Seattle. He phones in one of those radio call-in shows. He tells them that his dad needs a new wife. She's in Baltimore. Want to meet you. Where is Seattle? Right. Where's Baltimore? This is crazy. If you have comments, questions, or feedback, please send an email to earthrsuperman at gmail.com, and I would love to read it in a future episode unless you tell me not to. You can also interact with this podcast in the Superman Radio Revisited Facebook group, which I'd love you to join, and on X, at Radio Superman, which are both places I'll post the daily newspaper strips. If you want to follow along for Superman Daily's Theater. The most powerful newspaper in the state, the Daily Planet. Superman by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Tempestuous. Through a ruse, the blonde tigress causes Superman to fall into a pit of chemicals after he has saved her from death when her car goes over a cliff, but he emerges unharmed. It's impossible. You can't be alive those chemicals. I'm afraid it takes more than a few puny chemicals to put me permanently out of commission. I believe I'm entitled to an explanation of your murderous behavior. Don't you mention murder, you cold-blooded killer. I'm not Sandra Pearson. In reality, I'm little Danvers' daughter of the man you slew. I vowed vengeance for his death, and I won't rest until I get that vengeance. Danvers' daughter? But I'm sure I'm innocent of his death. You're lying, and you'll die for his murder. Old-fashioned remedy. You killed my father. Now you die. The blade, it broke. Don't feel too badly about it. 
Even bullets cannot penetrate my skin. No doubt you've had this coming for a long time. Ouch! Stop! Don't you dare! Ouch! That was the Superman Daily Newspaper Strips for May 19th through 20th, 1941. And I highly encourage you to seek those out, either through the Kitchen Sink Press volumes or on my socials. I do post them at Radio Superman on X and in the Superman Radio Revisited Facebook group. That last panel has to be seen to be believed. Thank you for listening to Superman Radio Revisited. And also thank you to anyone who liked and shared the last episode via social media or word of mouth. And I encourage you to do the same for this episode. Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster in his copyright DC Comics. All audio clips are copyright the respective copyright holders. Now I've got to go. You'll be all right now, won't you? Yes, thanks to you. And goodbye. Goodbye, and thanks again. The World on Fire. An All-Star Squadron podcast. Join your host, Billy D., and Herman, as we take a deep dive into the seminal DC Comics series created by Roy Thomas and Rich Buckler. We'll be covering the series issue by issue, spotlighting our favorite characters. And talking about the historical tie-ins as well. So join us every month in A World on Fire, and All-Star Squadron podcast. Coming in December 2020 to a podcatcher near you.